Guys, 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 welcome back to another Progress Pure podcast. This week I'm chatting with Maria Arlen, who is so lovely, such a kind and warm soul about porn. Hi, Dad. <laughs> about porn. She has this amazing TED talk called Let's Talk Porn. And I was actually just on the internet one day and and no, I wasn't looking for porn. And I just came across her TED talk thought she was amazing, inspiring, really interesting. And I can I figured that porn is actually a topic I don't really know anything about in terms of the debate sides to things. So I got her on the pod and I'm super happy to chat with her. If you guys want to follow Maria, check out her Instagram, which is Arlen Maria. I've also posted about her on my account if you want to find her there or follow her youth organization Instagram page, uh, Changing Attitudes. Enjoy guys. So Maria, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast, part of the debate series on porn. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm so excited that you could be on it. And I actually came across you and uh, your youth organization, Changing Attitudes, because I was on YouTube. I came across your TED Talk, Let's Talk About Porn. Um, And if I'm right in saying you're an expert on issues concerning pornography, is that right? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, sure. And you, you're a founder of your youth organization, Changing Attitudes, which we spoke a little bit about before. You guys, is it? am I right in saying that you mostly host events in Sweden? I mean, actually, you could say, because we do a lot of this, like the stuff that we do are, you know, a lot of things happen online today, obviously. So, you know, we're very active on social media and we do a lot of, um, you know, like we could do like a street interview from LA, you know, and then we would post that. And then obviously that would be available to the entire world, you know, and we do a lot yeah. of um, talks that are like, you know, pre-recorded. So they're like digital talks, which you could lease. So, I mean, yes, I'm currently right now I'm in Sweden, but I would really like say that we have, you know, we really have like a global view, uh, global take on, on this issue. Yeah. Right, okay. And you guys, uh, you've given now like over 400 talks. Is that mostly by going to places or like you said, like through online and... Oh, it's actually going to places, um, which is like crazy if you start to really like think about how much traveling and stuff, you know, that, you know, goes into something like that. Um, But yeah, it's like, I would say it's uh, a lot of schools, uh, like schools, universities, but also like... I mean, there could be organizations that are already working on something really important, but kind of want to like broaden their perspective and also perhaps include porn. So then they would need education on that. And yes, like whoever invites us really. That's awesome. It is. And how did you get into this? Because yeah, when I saw your TED talk, I was like, this is so cool, but so curious about your backstory. And like, did this affect you personally? Do your family members that the, you know, the topic of pornography affected personally in a bad way? Yeah. How did you get into it? You know, actually, I think, um, because like, for me, it really doesn't have a personal, I don't have a personal experience with porn or being like hurt by porn in any way. So I'm not, um, I'm not coming from a place of hurt, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm really like coming from a place of like education and conversation. And so for me, it started, basically it started like, honestly, like way back, it started as a school project. Okay. And yeah, and I was just like, 
yeah, long story short, I just realized within this project that, okay, wow, so many of my classmates aren't like, you know, they're not aware of this topic or, you know, because um, back then I would mostly be talking about like human trafficking or sex trafficking, prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of got me to, because as, you know, I don't know, just like the way I am, I like, you know, I ask questions and I kind of want to like get further and deeper into stuff. So if you start talking about sex trafficking, you're going to end up starting about you know, talking about like prostitution, then sex buying. And then eventually you're probably going to end up in porn, really talking about porn, because for so many years, research has really shown that porn can fuel the demand for prostitution Yeah. in terms of like changing attitudes and and yeah. And kind of like normalizing uh, sex buying and prostitution. So, yeah. So for me, it was like, okay, this is kind of where this is leading. So now I have to talk about porn. So, yeah. And did you, because I'm just trying to imagine it, like if I was in school and this is for a school project, I'm talking to my friends about it. My parents are quite traditional. And so I would imagine it being like a difficult or slightly uncomfortable conversation, especially younger when at school being like, hey, I'm super fascinated in porn and like researching it. Was that a conversation you had or your parents super cool about it? I mean, I would say, wow, that's actually the first time I've been asked that. Um, It was not a problem. For sure, absolutely not. And my mom, which is kind of the parent that I, you know, have in my life, have been always like very supportive. And she's just, she's, uh, she's like her soul is really like an artist's soul. So she's very like creative. She's very, um, in a good way. If you if you kind of like, get what I'm saying, she has no boundaries. <laughs> yes, exactly. in a fun way. Yes. Um, She's she's very like, she's not surprised by anything. She's like, you know, she's not shocked by anything. So yeah, she's just like the biggest cheerleader ever, which is fantastic. That's amazing. It sounds like your mom and my mom should hang out. Yeah, really? Yeah, my mom is the same. Like I could talk to my mom about anything and I could speak to her like a friend and she's very... Uh, open about these things and supportive and it's very much like you should just do what feels right for you exactly wow I love that go moms I know right go mom (laughs) cool yeah and so before we kind of get into the the definition of pornography where the word came from etc I would love to know on your mission with changing attitudes and you know discussing issues concerning pornography do you have like a perfect world where porn's like either you know it could be that we live in a world where porn doesn't exist porn does exist porn does exist if you have certain clauses like what 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 are you trying to achieve right wow good question um i would really say like i don't believe in perfection and i don't even know what that is really so my goal was, you know, was not, and I probably, like, will never be to, like, totally, you know, I don't know, like, a world without porn. I don't even think it's possible, really. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, like, unrealistic even to think like that, I think. So, for me, like, I have to be realistic with my goals. And so, therefore, I would say, like, you know, my part of my goal would be to like just have a good and open and honest conversation about porn and have that be available for everybody, like especially in schools to really like see a critical conversation being included in the sex education for kids and youth. 
I think that's really important because I don't think that you cannot like, you know, the internet is going to be here, you know, it's here to stay. So whatever's, uh, and like people are different. So everything out there is still going to be produced in some way, but I really think it's important for the consumer to be able to make a, you know, an informed decision. And to be able to do that, you have to have a certain amount of knowledge and to, you know, I guess create a culture where where uh, conversations about porn is is okay to have. So that's part of my my goal, really. So would you say you're anti-porn or or not really? Just kind of like, listen, I'm just here to have the discussion on it. I'm not against it. I'm not particularly for it. Yes, that's right. That's exactly okay. what I would say. Like I actually got that question a few years back, um, and this person was like, okay, so you you're against porn, right? And I'm like, well, I wouldn't even frame it like that. I would just say that I'm pro-conversation, I'm pro-health, uh, I'm pro-education, you know, and so whatever is going to like give us a good health and, you know, that I'm for. Um, yeah. So then the question isn't really like, are we going to be pro or, you know, against porn? I would say the question is more about um, what kind of consequences does porn have for society? Is it you know, is it providing us with a good good health? Yes mm. or no? Like, go from there, kind of. I'm genuinely so excited to talk to you about this because before researching about porn and all this stuff, I just kind of saw it as like, porn, it, you know, it has connotations of being something bad and dark and secretive and we shouldn't talk about that and we definitely shouldn't talk about my, I shouldn't talk about it with my friends who are girls, especially not like boys, any of that stuff. And then researching it, my mind was more open to the like, oh, maybe there actually potentially are good things that can come out of porn. And, and maybe like the one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about um, is how a lot of women now are saying how porn is like actually quite liberating for them. Um, and all of that. But before we get into that, because this always happens where I'm like, I want to just jump in. You're excited? <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. The same. <laughs> but yeah, just to give a little bit of background uh, for people listening. So right now, when I looked it up, apparently the porn industry makes about between 15 to $97 billion uh, annually, according to The Guardian. Um, That's a lot and- of money. That is a lot of money. And I didn't realize apparently it takes up more than... Uh, more people on the internet every month watch porn than Netflix, go on Amazon and Twitter combined. Yeah. Yes, I read that too. I mean, that really speaks to to the size of this industry. Yes. I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's I can't even grasp that. Yeah, it's insane. And it makes me wonder that maybe it's so, in, it's so massive because the talking about sex i i mean not even to say that sex is porn but talking if of course if porn is a kind of like offshoot of sex or some kind of like fantasy way that we think of sex the fact that conversations around sex are so muffled and you know so kind of like oh we shouldn't talk about that or you shouldn't talk about it to a certain age that perhaps that fuels that i'm gonna look up everything on porn sites 100 percent. i totally agree um i really think like what we're doing right now is that we're kind of um by shushing the topic of sex and just like intimacy and relationships we are totally leaving it up for grabs you know and the porn industry is ready to have the conversation with our kids you know they're totally ready because i mean obviously they make a lot of money as you just said so they have a financial interest in in this um so 
by not talking about sex, we are totally leaving it up to the porn industry to set the standards and to go on and serve the teachings, you know? And then, yeah. so for many kids in use today, I really think like the porn industry has become some kind of a, you know, like a sex educational, uh, educational teacher. And yeah. so then I think we also got to ask ourselves, okay, this teacher, quotation marks, uh, what does this teacher teach us? You know, yeah. what curriculum is this teacher using? What kind of, what purpose does this teacher have? I mean, let's be honest, like the porn industry does not exist for you and I to go on and have good sex education, you know, like that's mm -hmm. not the yeah. purpose. Obviously, you know, the money is, is the purpose. So yes, I really think like a, a cure, again, quotation mark for porn would be to really go on and have more conversations about sex and be positive. Yeah. Totally. I think that there are two interesting points on what you just said that um, one that people are going to uh, sex for going to porn for education because they feel like they can't have those conversations with people who are close to them potentially. And I, I was listening to a few uh, podcasts with porn stars and a lot of them say like, guys, porn isn't sex education. Like, kids shouldn't be going onto porn websites to find out all these things like it is kind of some kind of like cartoon fantasy uh version and the fact that we're not having yeah these conversations and that it makes people potentially go to uh, online porn sites is obviously not a good thing i mean now there are uh increasing numbers of porn websites that are kind of like made by women for women or that are more ethical um which might be a better place to learn about it but still it's not you know sex ed sure exactly it's it's still not sex ed and it's um yes i've heard that what you're saying now i heard that you know a million times as well especially actually like from people within the industry saying just what you're saying now that guys like this is not sex education please don't don't try this at home you know so it's really <laughs> Uh, yeah or try this at home but like be wary that like this one might not go to plan it won't be as sexy as it looks <laughs> I think it was Jamila Jamil who actually said this and I don't know some kind of speech or something but she was making the um, um yeah basically like saying like you cannot learn how to drive by watching Fast and the Furious you know so it's like the same with porn you cannot learn how to have sex by watching porn like it's not yes yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like if uh, if parents kind of sat their kids down and they were like, you know, this is how you should treat a sexual partner. Everything in porn is not real. Like you can watch it, but just FYI, like full disclosure, then maybe that's a better jumping ground. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's again going back to like how we can like be realistic about this. I think that is in the real, you know, that's a realistic approach because obviously people are going to end up on porn sites but it's, it's so important, like, what you do with it as well. Um, and I think for that to kind of um, be, like, working, I guess, that conversation, I think it needs to happen before the kids will then see porn. You know, you kind of, you got to beat the porn industry to it because right now it's the other way around, you know, like the porn industry reaches our kids at five, six, seven, eight years old. And then we start talking about sex when they are, I don't know, like 15, 16. And then we will, you know, oh, have you heard about a condom? You know, like, yeah. it's just like the gap is just like insane. So yes, I really think like we got to have like age appropriate conversations from a really early age. Um, not like showing kids porn, explaining to them what is happening, but really just like 
yeah, having a good and open audience conversation and not just one, but many, uh, just as we would talk about drugs or alcohol or relationships or body image or, you know, social media, like include porn in all these uh, topics. I think that is key. But I feel like, uh, and I'd be interested to know what you think about this, but that's so tricky because like alcohol and boys or women or whoever, um, and all those kind of things that typically have like a a legal age limit on them. Like, like you said, kids are potentially watching porn at five years old. Like my parents wouldn't have had a discussion with me and my parents have still never had a discussion with me, unfortunately on porn or on, um, kind of like I mean not even really drinking and like going out with people now I can talk about it more openly but those are all things that I had to discover on my own whether that be like through my friends or just stupid experiments or whatever so do you ever have parents coming up to you who are like listen I have a seven-year-old a six-year-old I want to make sure I do this right but I don't know when is too early or how do I navigate that conversation all the time um and I find that to be difficult to answer because I think it's like in some ways I think it's individually like when do you talk to your kid like I guess a parent would know that the best you know when to talk to your specific kid uh but like when it comes to like a general um my my, you know like the general point of view that I'm having is that we gotta start early um and again it doesn't mean that we have to scare our kids it just means that we have to like prepare them um because Mm -hmm it is just a matter of time really before kids are going to see something either they're going to look it up themselves or someone is going to show them something or you know something is going to be sent to them and yes it's inevitable and i really think that we have to just like accept the facts and then go from there yeah just kind of like guys this is the way it is and then yes And as you were saying, like with the legal age, because that is also, I think, something that should be looked into in terms of is there a way to regulate this? You know, is there a way to make sure that six year olds don't end up here? You know, because they're Googling boobs, you know, as a six year old would do because you're like you're curious and it's just like so normal to be curious, obviously. And I really think it's important then to also like keep in mind that the six year old Googling boobs does not you know, envision what he or she is going to see on Pornhub. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure, you know? So that is going to be, you know, the, the, um, you know, that's another gap, really, uh, between the six-year-old's fantasy and just, like, to the extent that this child is able to even imagine something sexual, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then comparing that to what that kid is actually going to end up seeing in terms of, slapping and you know choking and hair pulling and spitting and all of that stuff that is included in today's mainstream porn that is not what the six-year-old had in mind yeah and it's so difficult if you like obviously as a child when you've never had uh sexual like it takes so long to develop your sexual understanding and especially you know i'm 24 and i don't even fully know like what i find erotic and it's like a whole journey that takes a lifetime so like boom seeing this kind of like weird stuff to you that it comes across like straight off the bat as like aggressive that must be just such a mind fuck yeah literally like yes yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) for sure and i mean what it does to you is really like it it not only does it like shape your sexuality before you've even had a chance of shaping it yourself, 
but it also robs you in a way of your right to really go out and explore your sexuality mm-hmm. and yeah. that is really like my thing with this as well is like this is about like sexual freedom and sexual rights you know like I really believe that people have the right to discover what turns them on and I want that for people before the porn industry tells you that you like being slapped around and choked and hair pulled, you know? Yeah. But then if you do like that, that. go ahead. You know what I mean? But like, if it's legal, consensual, like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that, but make sure you are the one who are turned on by this. Yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting point. I never thought about it like that in the sense that like, listen, you should be able to discover what you want rather than just being told what you like. Um, yeah, that is really interesting. There, I also, I when I was looking up uh, some things that are illegal in porn, what, some of the things that I found that was, uh, of course, you know, if porn uh, contains minors, it's illegal. If it's revenge porn, so filming something with a partner or someone who consented to the filming at the time and then releasing it online without them knowing. Uh, bestiality, serious injury, those are all illegal. But then, ur- did you know urination in porn is also illegal? I didn't know that. Where? I don't know. Apparently, I was listening is to... It, is, you mean for the UK? Yeah, I, I was listening to a UK podcast. You spoke about it. And I was like, but I feel like like if my friend told me that they were into that, I wouldn't be like, whoa, what? I would feel like that's kind of kinky and interesting, but like illegal. Right. I think like you have to... Yeah, don't quote me on this, I was about to say. But I think there is for the UK, because you guys have had a lot of discussion on this. And there has been, if there has not been a discussion that has led to something, or if it's just a discussion, I'm not sure, but there is, I think there's like a list or something of things that are like allowed or not allowed in porn production within the UK. But you have to look that up. Yes. Anyone's listening, look it up for us. (laughs) Okay, I'll go. I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, one thing I was really interested in is uh, the the word pornography. So apparently that word is derived from the Greek porny, which means prostitute, and then graphian, which means to write. So it was originally defined as a work uh, of art or literature depicting the life of prostitutes. Um, and so nowadays, I don't, and I think the industry doesn't, I mean, pornography and, and uh, porn stars are not prostitutes. Um, and so I was interested in what you think of that term and if you think that, I don't know, maybe it doesn't even really matter because we're so far removed from the history of that word anymore. Um, but yeah, I just thought that that term was interesting and maybe it might be an interesting thing to remove uh, that word pornography and make it more like eroticism because I found that there was a big difference maybe just between like the rise of more like glamorized, high, high production, more ethical porn, which some people term as like eroticism and then pornography, if that makes sense. For sure, yes, I hear you. Um, Sure, and then like, you know, on the other side of that would still, I think it's still like important to look at, um, you know, like, because the definition of prostitution obviously is sex in exchange for compensation. Mm -hmm. It's usually money, but it can be basically anything. That is like the definition of prostitution. And then so obviously, you know, paid sex is prostitution. So then the difference between like classic, again, quotation mark prostitution and porn would perhaps be the camera and the spread of it. That's interesting. Yeah. 
So that's, I think, I think it's still important to kind of bring that um, thought of idea just like into the, this, you know, the conversation because it can also, I believe, like shed some light on uh, the situation for people within the porn industry as well. Because uh, within my work for the last 10, 13 years, I've met a lot of people in prostitution as well. Um, and also like met people within the porn industry and I'm not gonna like, uh, say it's all like the same and all the same stories, but it is quite similar at times, I would say. Um, by the same stories, what do you mean? The background stories, like, you know, the sexual abuse stories, uh, the stories of including, you know, experiencing homelessness, poverty, uh, mental illness, um, you know, drug abuse, uh, growing up in foster care, uh, growing up with, you know, witnessing wild violence in the home and, you know, just mm -hmm. things like that, that I find to be quite similar. Yeah. So what would you say, I'm really intrigued in this because a lot of the research I was doing was talking about how porn is really liberating for women. Like, um, you, for example, I think you told me about a um, woman called Erica Lust, who's an erotic film director, screenwriter and producer. Um, she won Feminist Porn Award for the movie in 2012. Uh, there's a a uh, lady called Jessica Drake, who is a p porn star who now teaches sex education seminars. There's Asa, what's her name? Asa uh, Akira, who was a porn actress and now she's a director. And, and so there are like, you know, these f cases where women have done really well and see porn as a way to empower themselves. And so I'm just really intrigued as to what you think about that. And if these cases are maybe just so few that they don't really represent a moving uh, kind of like a change in the industry. Right. Um, like what I also like what I kind of like tend to do is like I tend to um, like if the mass thinks something, I tend to like pick the other side. So if everyone would be like, oh, porn is the worst thing ever, then my just natural instinct would be to say, but what about this person, you know? Just to kind of like, don't, you know, have us ending up in this very like black and white uh, conversation. Cause I do find there are a lot of gray areas and a lot of color too. And I'm not here to judge. And I think that is a big mistake, which is perhaps sometimes even being made by people who have a good agenda, who wants to see, you know, a better world, if you may, but there, you know, at times I do see a lot of like uh, judgmental attitudes toward people in uh, porn. And so I would say like to whoever chooses to do this and whoever really says like, this is empowering to me. This is what I love to do. This has, you know, been the best thing ever. I'm going to support that person, you know, yeah. like I'm going to be totally, well, good for you. Let's get back to the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then that is not really a part of what I'm talking about. Sure. Okay. That's really interesting. So yeah, then I guess uh, it sounds like you're saying that anybody who really does feel that way or, or women who, it, it, if porn is a good thing, then great, happy, good for you. But we want to get back to talking about like the serious fundamental issues, which can occur as a kind of uh, knockoff from porn. Yeah. Yeah. So then some of the, so what would you say is one of those like kind of big flag issues that porn can cause and is something that we need to talk about and not ignore? Right. Uh, great question. I would say there are different parts to this. Um, obviously, there are, you know, there, this is an industry that, especially when we're talking about like the, the mainstream porn, 
uh, it could be quite a, um, I mean, it's, it can be quite a difficult industry, you know, and it attracts uh, perhaps people who are in a very vulnerable situation financially, perhaps, or who have experienced different difficult things that has caused them to think that this is all there is for me, you know, this is what I'm worth. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that, there's the people in the industry, which I think that we have to, um, just like be, be aware of not perhaps thinking it's all liberating, you know, because then I think we're forgetting about the stories, which are oftentimes horror stories from people, uh, within the industry. And then there is the, uh, the effect that pornography, especially like mainstream porn, can have on basically like just society, you know, mm-hmm. and kids and youth especially, which is like what I'm on fire for. And so really like looking to how porn can affect our health, our attitudes in terms of making us think less of sexual aggression and to just like kind of normalize that in a way for us. Mm-hmm. And which then obviously can have big consequences for what we will actually allow to happen within the society and how we would then view uh, basically like, you know, rape and other forms of sexual violence crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think like the attitude part is, is important to, to not forget. I think that's really interesting what you just uh, mentioned about uh, porn and the correlation with rape, because I found a lot of um, conflicting uh, articles talking about how some people were saying that porn uh, and rape, rape in porn can increase the likelihood of people doing it because it normalizes it. But then I did come across a few, I don't know how in depth these studies were. For example, this guy called Stephen E. Landsberg. I don't know if you've read this, American professor of economics at University of Rochester. And he apparently did a study that was talking about how they found that actually an increase in the use of the internet, and I don't think they looked in depth to see what kind of websites people were using, but an increase in use of the internet led to a decrease in cases of rape in certain states. Obviously, there are a billion other factors that can play into that, but some people, even with like violence, will say that when a violent movie comes out, it turns out that violence on the street goes down, and perhaps there's that correlation. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I know which study you're talking about. And I think for, I'm not going to be totally, um, I'm not going to like go into like attacking that study. But I will say that just looking into um, the prevalence of um, reports when it comes to sexual crimes is not perhaps an accurate way of really measuring what crimes is actually taking place. Because you could argue, uh, in terms of that study and others similar to that, you could also argue then that, well, when the internet was kind of like let loose, you know, and opened up and uh, everyone had access, then obviously porn was a greater thing for us as well, you know, and more easily accessed. And since we do know from research that porn could then um, make us trivialize sexual violence, it's perhaps not that strange that if people have more access to porn, you know, the amount of yeah. reports when it comes to rape will decrease because people will think, well, whatever happened to me wasn't really rape, you know, it's fine. So Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, that definitely makes more logical sense. Like, it definitely sounds weird saying, oh, that the increase of people watching this meant that it decreased. Like, that, it makes more sense and it sounds more logical to say that people are more influenced by the stuff that they see out there. Um, so do you think it in 
in i know you were saying that obviously we can't ban the internet but if there was some way that we could like uh ban or restrict people who are perhaps under 18 from using porn or from seeing porn that that would be like a good solution or or... yeah I mean I'm all for like creative solutions so actually like you guys in the UK you had like you were this close to implementing uh, age verification online do we not have that? Oh no, we don't. That's on Reddit. It says like, are you over 18 when I try and read sexual stuff? And I'm like, yep. Yep, I am. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. No, it was actually like super, super close, but it, it didn't, it didn't, um, yes. Long story short, it just didn't come true. Um, but I think that's, that's, you know, that could be one solution. Look into uh, perhaps using your bank idea, you know, do you guys have that so that you kind of verify your age when you go online for different, like, let's say you're going to log into your bank account using an app. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know on alcohol websites we do, on banking websites, I'm not sure. But can't you just lie? Can you just say you're over at age of 18 or is it like registered to your ID or something? It's going to be registered to to your idea, yes. So like if, if I'm going to use my phone and then log into my uh, bank uh, using the bank's app, I would then identify using what we're calling bank ID. It's basically, it's, it's going to be connected to my personal security number, uh, social security number. And it's, um, yeah, that's going to be difficult for a 16 year old, you know, to, to get around. So yeah. that could be one way to have like an age verification where you actually have to, in some way, prove your legal age to, to consume pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, filters in school could be another solution where you could, you know, perhaps not for, you know, high schoolers or, you know, universities, but I would say perhaps then for, um, you know, preschools and for, uh, you know, really like kids, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to look into how schools can have filters on their, um, basically on their internet so that kids would at least to some like less extent would you know just stumble upon porn yeah 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 to kind of like decrease those possibilities i think it would be obviously in an ideal scenario to have yeah kids who uh i mean i guess just because 18 is the legal requirement age of when you're an adult that in the uk at least that that would be an ideal scenario but then like you were talking about before with uh at the gray area about where uh, porn stars where they've come from in their background like there's just you know kids are forever gonna want to do what they can't do and I I feel like I, I, I feel like you and me have a similar kind of like agreeance on this but I feel like if you can have like a fundamentally healthy conversation with your child about like you might see this or this might happen but like don't worry about it and it is out there then actually people might be you know, less deterred to find it and like obsess over it. Yes, for sure. And if they find it or if they go look for it, at least they will kind of like have what you said in the back of their minds, you know? And so yeah. I really think that's, uh, if I'm going to choose something, I'm always going to like pick the, the conversation. Of course. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. And even though as a parent, you may not have all the facts, you may not know everything. Perhaps you haven't listened to this podcast before. You know what I mean? Like, so you're just like completely like newbie. Like I know nothing about this, but still like going to your kid, having a conversation and even saying that, you know what? Actually, I don't know anything about this. Do you know something? You know, can we just talk about this? I think the honesty of that is also appealing to kids. It's so interesting because like, 
just I'm just trying to imagine like if I have a child right who comes up to me and they're like mom like what what is porn and like talks about it like it's uh it's I guess like I would initially feel uncomfortable and awkward being like oh god we're gonna like talk about this but then it makes me think like why do I feel uncomfortable and awkward talking about it does this stem from some kind of shame to do with like sex and uh, you know some people would argue that porn can be some kind of like art or like a, a, you know that like we were talking about before the kind of like more ethical version of of pornography can definitely be quite artistic and uh I don't know, I'm trying to think maybe, like, can I imagine a world where we can just openly discuss these things in, like, the classroom or, like, with people? Um, And uh, it's just a weird one that it's just so, it's so, like, darkened, I don't know, like, so taboo. Yes, and I think what you're saying now is interesting because it's so often I find come, you know, it comes down to your own kind of, like, personal experiences with the conversations on sex and also, like, just your own, like, internal feelings about it. And shame is such a interesting and complex issue and topic. And it's perhaps sometimes difficult to identify the shame within yourself as well, you know? Yeah. And so I, I can see that for myself as well. Like for me, it's like so easy to go into a classroom talking with kids on this. And, you know, I'm like, you know, no boundaries, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, nothing scares me. My poker face is all set, you know? Yeah. But then I'm like, wow, but it's like easy for me because it's not my kids. Yeah. And so I'm not really personally invested in this. And yeah. I don't have to face them for dinner tomorrow. And you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Do you think, I was trying to think about this, like uh, like I said earlier, my dad, he's very traditional. My parents, my mom is less traditional. My dad's very traditional. And I was trying to wonder because there are some porn stars who can make up to like a thousand dollars if not more I mean obviously a lot of them make a lot less um, but can make like about a thousand dollars a a shoe and then I was listening to this other podcast they were talking about how making five thousand dollars a month isn't um, isn't that crazy or rare and I was thinking that if I went to my dad or someone in my family and I was like listen I'm making you know 10 grand a month from being uh, a porn star like how would they feel about it and I'm just curious, and how would I feel if my kid came up to me and said that? And uh, I was wondering, like, if you had a kid and they came up to you and said, you know, like, mom, I want to be a porn star. It makes me really happy and fulfilled and everything. How do you think you would, how do you think you deal with that? Oh my God, I've never gotten that question. I love you. You're just so brilliant. <laughs> oh, stop it. Okay, wow. Um, hmm. I mean, okay. My mind is like going crazy over this question because it's it's actually really good. Um, going back to what I said earlier, if I'm gonna like be true to my words, like I have to respect the, you know, whatever decisions that my future kid might be making, you know, and I would never judge them or throw them out of the home or like nothing like that. Of course, um, but I would I would really sit down and have a good, honest, critical conversation and ask them like why and how and what and when and who. <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe that's maybe that's in the cards for me. Maybe I'm gonna like, you know, 
<laughs> is is porn karma gonna bite me in the ass and serve me that situation later like what's gonna happen yeah well a lot of people say that you know when i was listening to interviews like some of the porn stars were talking about how they a lot of them came from like very conservative backgrounds and i was just like god that's so interesting you know like you've got these you know quote unquote repressive or not necessarily repressive but just conservative people in your life and you feel the need to kind of go the other way like this have you heard of sasha gray the porn star yes so she was talking about how she you know apparently didn't come from a broken home wasn't raped blah 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 when she was growing up and then she was just really sexually um interested in kind of different sexual things while she was at college and her boyfriend didn't want to do those things with her at the time so she was like how can i try these things out in a safe way um without having a lot of like sexual partners who i don't necessarily know if they're clean or whatever and so she started she just called up a a porn agent and um hopefully i'm not telling this wrong but called up a porn agent and got into it that way um and that's kind of what she does now so i was just trying to imagine like if i had a kid and they came as you know that's what makes them happy you'd be like okay do you want me to drop you off like right like of course you're going to support your child yes but i mean yeah I can imagine there has been some interesting phone calls to parents over the years from people joining porn, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm always like, I'm always kind of uh, like whenever I meet someone within the industry who uh, actually does not have the typical, if you may, story uh, and just like are sharing, you know, is sharing with me about like, yeah, but my mom and dad were so supportive and, you know, all of that. And I'm like, actually, like I applaud those parents, you know? Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, it, that's uh, that's really amazing that they can they can do that. I mean, it, it's great. I think that is um, like love conquers everything, and so I think um, yeah, whatever feelings you might have towards the porn industry, obviously supporting your kid is more important. Yeah. Um, but then I, you know, I also think it's important not to. Um, not to exclude obviously the more of the you know the happy stories but also not to exclude the stories that are very dark you know and very um traumatic and for you know for the most part those have been the stories that i've uh heard um you know when it is in fact the you know, the rape situation and the, you know, the sexual abuse and the homelessness and the poverty and the mental illness and all of that stuff. But I also do find, and this is something that I've seen as well, um, perhaps like, you know, me coming into an interview with someone in porn and I have my, you know, um, I have my things that I'm like, obviously I want to ask these and these questions and this is what I've read and this is what I've heard. But sometimes I'm really like, I'm proven wrong and I, really like that you know and I'm like oh it wasn't all that bad for you and it wasn't and perhaps porn wasn't the thing that made you um you know start drinking again you know actually it was the trauma from your childhood you know and perhaps even porn helped you express that in a way like you know what I mean like I've heard it all and I have to be open to that and honest as well when kind of like when sharing that um when sharing, yeah what, what, yeah, what has been shared with me, yeah. It is difficult because uh, with, I was trying to think of like what it really is the difference between 
uh, porn and then like movies or TV shows or people defining it as an art. And uh, I was trying to think as well, like why people from those kinds of backgrounds or from le like less privileged, traumatized backgrounds might get into it. And uh, I, I mean, some people might think that this sounds like self-explanatory, but I'm wondering from the people that you've spoken to, is it literally just like a practical basis of, I don't have money, I don't have any food, and sex is the only thing that I can do if I don't have an education and make money quickly, like except drug deal. And I, that, I don't know if that's like a bad question to ask, but I'm sure. Just that could be the case but i also do see the perhaps the sometimes at least from like looking at it just for you know two seconds like the invisible factors in this uh because that is what it could be uh looking like when you know just like scraping on the surface mm -hmm. but then when you kind of dig deeper uh i do find that there are a lot of stories on sexual abuse uh specifically Mm -hmm. which has not been dealt with and then is expressed through uh, joining pornography. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm also like, I, I you know, I kind of like also want to be careful about like generalizing, you know what I mean? Like to not yeah. say, oh, everyone is porn, in porn is, you know, has come from this and this background when in fact there are so many different individual stories as well, which I find, you know, important to... Uh, to highlight as well so yeah it's, it's difficult and I also think for this to be uh, you know for this conversation to really like be fruitful when it comes to talking just like globally on porn I think it's important to include people within the industry and which is kind of what I started realizing is that okay wow like I'm out here I'm talking about this but have I you know how many people in porn have I met you know so yeah. that kind of like sparked within me, it sparked that, okay, I have to go to LA, I have to be there, I have to talk to people within the industry, and I have to be honest about what is shared with me. You know, I cannot just cherry pick the awful stories, you know, I have yeah. to include the good ones as well. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that's a sign of somebody who is, yeah, you know, curious and uh, intrigued with life and wants to learn more, which is like, I think what the most you can ask out of life, you know, like you go into one scenario thinking one thing and hope that your mind will be changed or you learn something else. For sure. But you know, then I have to be honest as well, because there's been times when I've been in interviews uh, where I've been like, okay, please prove me wrong. You know, like I've read all this stuff and just like be different, prove me wrong, be, you know, have a different story. Uh, but then you go in and you even like you leave the interview and you're just like, wow, this is even worse than I thought, you know? This is yeah. just this is just so uh, awful in so many yeah. ways. So it's it's that uh, part of it too. Yeah. Do you disassociate because uh, doing research on like the history of porn and where it's come from and everything? It was but some of the stuff that I read saying that it's seven thousand two hundred BCE. That was when like the first sculpture, uh, which was described as the older, oldest representation ever of a pornographic scene of a man and a woman having sex. Then you have uh, in Pompeii uh, the explicit frescoes, apparently from when they, you know, took all the volcanic shit off Pompeii, basically from AD seventy nine. Um, Japan, they have a highly developed culture of uh, erotica since the seventeenth century. The Enlightenment in the eighteenth century with the printing technology, and then kind of the first kind of like sexual um, novels or however people call it, and Olympia eighteen sixty five. Like I've done a lot of reading as you can tell <laughs> but like but those that has been you know porn has existed or some kind of porn, porn or eroticism throughout history 
do you disassociate porn in the internet age with that or can they be linked in somehow or not really to you um obviously it's i mean to me it doesn't really matter if you get what i'm saying like when the first drawing was ever like what does that say about today like actually it doesn't say much um so i would i would really like be clear on the fact that you know whenever someone oh porn has always been here but i mean first of all that really doesn't matter because there's a lot of stuff that's always been here but i mean rape has always always been here but it's it's not okay and you know so it's uh that you know it doesn't really say much and then on the other hand if i'm gonna like be the devil's attorney here i do see that uh, it is in some way linked and perhaps in a positive way as well because i mean it really speaks to i think just like human interest in sex overall you know mm -hmm. and again mm -hmm. that teaches us i think something about um the the need if you may if you may for porn in a way and just like why porn has been created and why um why this is something that people want to make money of you know and yeah. i because i do think it is it is in some way linked to to very deep uh desire for for humans to feel connected and to have sex and to not only for the sake of having kids but really for the sake of you know exploration and intimacy and all of that so i guess it only says i mean that says that yeah sex has always been around and humans will always continue to be interested in sex i think yeah yeah you're right and and such a good point about like that rape has always been around which doesn't make it okay um but i guess as well like with the rise of like the internet and people being able to I don't know, because like be anonymous in the fact that they can watch porn or that back in, I don't know, back in uh, when they first kind of started making like porn subscription websites or that porn when you used to go and buy it, like if it was on your credit card or something, maybe now that there's more, it's more uh, at risk now of harming like especially young people, of course, because it's so easily accessible. And For sure. And I mean, so it's not, it's not um, comparable obviously at all um whenever i think that you know sometimes like people we tend to do that like we tend to draw parallels into like the history and i'm not really sure why sometimes we do it to justify something that is happening today that is actually like different like we do it with a lot of topics i think and it's yeah i mean drawings within a cave <laughs> you know like it's not really comparable to Pornhub yeah no it's definitely definitely not comparable to Pornhub where especially like that is not what Pornhub like, is selling literally but it, it's like an assault like when you go on there and you've just got like a billion like adverts that come into your face of like the most insane but that's the thing apparently as well that the porn a lot of the, the hardcore porn that's out there isn't even representative of necessarily what we as a rate or as a, i don't know human beings want but it's because like hardcore porn makes more money uh is more like shocking to the senses especially when you've been numb to it from seeing porn for so long that it's just weird that that's kind of like the extreme that is normalized for us now right right and that has really like been pushed like those boundaries have been pushed um is it your uh yeah this i basically live at a hospital with the amount of sirens Okay, because I live at a fire station. I'm like, is it the... <laughs> Probably both of us. Okay, so yes, uh, we were saying... 
like just normalizing hardcore porn, how that is a thing now. For sure. So I would really say like the porn industry has been, um, they've been great in pushing boundaries. Uh, they do that really well. And I talked to a porn producer, a former porn producer, and he actually said that, because I was like asking him, is it the consumer that is driving the demand or is it like, what is kind of making everything go so fast in terms of, you know, aggression being now part of mainstream pornography and all of that. Yeah. And in the 90s, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, the people producing, you know, ma- um, you know, aggressive pornography back then would be the outsiders. But today it's like, yes, it's boring without it. And so he actually yeah. said, um, that's his words, but he said uh, it's due to producers being bored. Really? Yes. He was like, I mean, we are in some way, you know, consumers as well. And we're there watching everything we're producing. And, you know, eventually it's going to get boring. And then we're like asking ourselves, okay, you know, what's the next crazy thing we can do? You know, so he was kind of like blaming it on the producer, saying that they were the ones pushing for. Gosh. Yeah for whatever could be produced next. Yeah. Well, I guess these things, I don't know if porn is like all these things, but like with fashion, everything comes and goes. And now that if there is the rise of uh, women making porn, you know, women, women porn made by women or whatever I'm trying to say, uh, and going back to that kind of like glamorized, even like uh, 70s, 80s playboy uh, and like 70s, 80s hustler, I wonder if it will take that turn of a more artistic route or we'll see the rise in that. Like, because there is the rise in kind of reading about uh, sexual scenarios or um, on like female websites. And so that will be interesting to see. Yes, for sure. I mean, we have to do this in 30 years and see <laughs> see yeah. where we're at. Yeah. We'll catch up then. And we'll catch up when, when your child is uh, wanting to be a porn star and how you dealt with that. <laughs> I'll be calling you for advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome. well i think i'm gonna wrap this up here if any of you guys want to follow maria your instagram is maria alin right, right. yes or actually you just switch it so alin maria but a-h-l-i-n maria or changing attitudes even awesome or changing changing attitudes okay great well thank you so much for being on the pod thank you for having me this was awesome you did a good job <laughs> Boom! Another Progress Pure pod in the bag, my friends. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed that, please go subscribe. uh, Go leave me five stars on Apple Podcasts. And I will see you next Tuesday at 5pm. Bye, guys.